0: This is Bless You Boys Podcast 133, recorded October 31st, 2014. Taking it one day at a time with special guest Tony Paul of the Detroit News. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Welcome to the Bless You Boys podcast after about a month's hiatus. uh, As always, I am your host, Al Beaton, co-managing editor of BlessYouBoys.com, SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog. And we've taken some time off to regenerate, and really there hasn't been a lot of Tigers news to talk about. But we're roaring, ready to go. We have a great guest, and also we have, well, a great co-host, and that would be the man I like to call the King of West Michigan, and that would be... The man you know is hook slide. hook slide. it's been a while.
1: Yes, who has disturbed my baseball slumber and, and for what reason? Oh, it's just Al and the, the Plushy Boys podcast again. Mm-hmm. It's uh, good to be back and talking baseball, and uh, as you said, it's been a little bit quiet, uh, but that, that all today. changed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. today that, that all changed, so we'll get right to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, just a couple things about the podcast before we move on to our guest. Uh, if you want to contact us with your thoughts and questions, there's uh, several ways to do it. Obviously, we're on Twitter at Bless You Boys. You can find us on Facebook, facebook facebook.com slash byb.tigers. There's the byb.tigers at gmail.com and podcast at gmail.com. And uh, other than that, I think, uh, Hookside, we're ready to go because we have lots of baseball to cover and what's likely going to be a little longer than normal podcast. So let's get right to our special guest. The floor is yours.
1: All right. So joining us today is uh, Detroit News baseball columnist Tony Paul, who also uh, started hosting a hardcore baseball in Detroit Sports one hundred five point one. Tony, welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Now that that hardcore baseball was something that did that just start this past season. Yeah,
2: we started it uh, last, I guess, May 30th was the first show. And uh, we went through the season, had a good time. They took a chance on me, even though I have no uh, radio experience. And, uh, you know, it seemed to work out all right. They're going to start the show up again next uh, February, I think. Hey,
1: great. So the show has not been canceled, so. Right, exactly. <laughs> One more year, maybe. <laughs> Signed on for a couple more episodes, at least. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, we wanted to talk about, I guess, a lot of different things having to do with the, the past season, the 2014 season. Of course, looking forward to the 2015 season for the Tigers. And uh, so we'll just jump right in with this, you know, grab bag of questions that Al and I cooked up for you. Uh, let's start with Dave Dombrowski. The, the questions that are out there surrounding Dave Dombrowski, the fact that it's his uh, he's going into his final year of his contract. Uh, there have been uh, you know some complaints of late with the way he handled things like the Doug Fister trade last year. Uh, the question of whether the Tigers have plateaued under his leadership. Um, give us your take on, on, on Dave Dombrowski. Is, could there be a change coming or do you see him kind of at the helm for a while to come?
2: Well, that's a good question. I'm not sure exactly what the Illiches are thinking, and I think a lot of that depends on uh, the status of the ownership. You know, how long are the Illiches going to own the Tigers? Um, We don't know those questions, Uh, but it is interesting that Dabrowski has not signed an extension yet, at least to our knowledge. They normally announce those things when it happens. Um, So he is going into his final year, which hasn't happened too often in his tenure. Normally he's been extended ahead of time, but I think that there there is some impatience here, and I I guess you can't even call it impatience. I mean, he's had 14 years. So I understand the O.H.'s frustration with not winning a world championship, but especially when you see, it's, you know, yeah, it's difficult to win a World Series, but when you see a team like the Giants winning their third in five years, uh, it's certainly doable to uh, create some momentum and, and win one, and the Tigers haven't been able to do that. You know, I was looking it up that um, – Dombrowski, in Detroit professional sports history, only one general manager has had a job longer without winning a championship than Dombrowski, and that was Russ Thomas at the Lions, um, of course, years ago. Exactly. So whenever you're lumped in with him, that's not a good thing. And in baseball circles, he's the fourth-longest-tenured general manager. The only three out of him, Brian Cashman, of course, he's earned that. Brian Sabian, of course, has earned that with the Giants. And, and Billy Bean, who's done miracles in Oakland, given the lack of revenue and the ballpark situation and everything, so Dabrowski's fourth on that list, and uh, you could make the argument that maybe uh, you know a change should come uh, unless they finally pick off one of these World Series. I mean, he, you know, he's done some good things. We all mm-hmm. know that the trades and everything, you know, all the guys he's brought over. Um, but the inability to uh, you know put the fi- finishing touches on a roster, like the bullpen. Uh, you know, I, I asked him about this at the press conference. You know, I was looking it up. Since 2007, they've had one of the worst bullpens in the American League every single year, and that means by the bottom half of this statistics among all the American League teams every single year since 2007. No other American League team's been in the bottom half all those years. So you know, little things like that, building a bench. You know, if you look at mm-hmm. the teams that win World Series, they have all these pieces, and the Tigers haven't been able to do that. Dabrowski's very good at spending Mike Gillich's money, but when it comes to, you know, finishing the, finishing the pieces and, and, you know, putting the final touches on things, he's struggled. So I think there is some pressure on him to win. I think the time is getting near where, you know, he can't have his job forever. And I wrote this in the column a couple of weeks ago. He can't mm-hmm. have his job forever if he's not going to win a championship.
0: Yeah, yeah. You made a And you made a good point in that uh, just watching this recent World Series, specific. The Royals and Giants—they may not be the best, most talented teams out there, but they—they they were a very balanced teams compared to the Tigers. And do you think that uh, may have been Dave Dombrowski's flaw in the building of this team—that it is it really feels like it's it is so damn top-heavy. And looking at the numbers, I don't know where the money is going to come from to fill in the hole—the holes of what they call that middle-class type of players. Who—who who, those are the kind of players that help the Giants win three World Series.
2: Right. Well, you, they are top-heavy. That's a big problem when you spend all the money that they're spending on a rotation and Miguel Cabrera and Ian Kinsler. It doesn't leave a ton left over to fill in the cracks for the bullpen and, and the bench. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is, these pieces are most often or a lot of the time filled in with your own system. Right. And the Tigers haven't been able to do that. Uh, you know, the bullpens around baseball are not really overly expensive outside of like the Phillies, who have you know, and some teams who have big, big money closers. Um, but, but if you look at the Royals, they're not spending a ton of money on their bullpen, but they developed a couple of those guys. Uh, And then bench pieces is the same way. You have to develop some of these, and the Tigers have had an inability to do that. So while I think Dombrowski gets a pass on the draft to the point where he's used a lot of his big picks to pick up players uh, like Miguel and you know and Sanchez and, and whatnot. He's used those draft picks. Uh, eventually, some of these guys have to pan out and help you. And from the bullpen perspective, outside of Joel Zamaya, I was thinking about this the other day, outside of Joel Zamaya, maybe Fernando Rodney, there's not many homegrown relievers who've had a bunch of success or at least a couple of years of sustained success under
1: Dombrowski, and that's a problem. You need to find guys like that. Yeah, and one of the other—so uh, we'll call him an acquisition of Dombrowski's, although not, that's probably not the correct term, but uh, we're talking about uh, uh, Brad Osmus, who is you know Dave Dombrowski's mm-hmm. choice to lead the Tigers this year. Uh, obviously, his performance in, in the eyes of some fans was—it was underwhelming at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was criticized for the way he handled the pitching staff, especially the way he handled the bullpen, especially towards the end of the season and into the into the postseason, and— um, now, as we're watching the news headlines here, it looks like possibly Joe Madden is, is maybe headed to the Cubs, but there's a yeah's you know, yeah, got that's official, I think. Is it official at this point? Okay.: I think so. Um, so that answers that part of this question, but uh, also Ron Garden is, is also out there kind of on the market. Uh, what do you think in terms of should the Tigers explore making a change with regard to, to Osmus? Why would you keep Osmus if there are, if there are, more attractive options? well that's a good question and and
2: I was of the opinion and belief that with Joe Madden sitting out there you have to explore the possibility and you can you know I know it's a cruel move to hire a guy one year and replace him with the you know an upgrade the next year but the bottom line is Joe Madden wasn't available last year and so the Tigers actually interviewed some very underwhelming candidates I mean Osmus was a clear fan choice over Boyd McClendon Tim Wallach and Rick Renteria last year it was it was just an underwhelming pool of candidates Candidates and you know so obviously you know what they think of Dusty Baker, Manny Acta, all those types because they didn't even interview them. Um, with with Madden out there, I, I think that I think the team should have explored it and we all know that they didn't. I think it was always a foregone conclusion that Madden would probably end up in the Cubs. The, you know, Epstein's liked him a lot. Um, it's a good chance to work with more young players but also have a little bit bigger budget. Um, So I think a lot of people assumed he was going there. But, uh, you know, if I'm the Tigers, I explore that, absolutely, because, you know, you don't know when a guy's going to be available like that. I know it's cruel for Rick Renneria, and I feel bad for the guy, you know, (laughs) losing his job, but you lost your job to one of the best managers in the last 30 years as far as what he's able to do with not much down in Tampa. I mean, he made a World Series. I mean, he made four playoff appearances. So, I mean, you know, I don't think that's a real knock on Rick Renneria. I just think it's a fact that, you know, Joe Madden wasn't available last offseason, and he is available now. And so that's why the Cubs weren't the only team looking mm-hmm. at Joe Madden. There was probably eight, nine, ten teams talking to him to see, you know, what what his status was. So, I mean, there are a lot of managers that were feeling the heat. It wasn't just Renneria. But, you know, he was available. As far as garden hire, you know, I, I, he, I think he's a good manager. He's a fine manager. But, you know, no postseason success. He does a lot of the same moves that you'd see Brad Ausmus do. I don't think that's an upgrade over Brad Ausmus. I really don't think that, that that would be any significant bump. I think Joe Madden would have been the guy, and he's going to Chicago. So, you know, Brad Ausmus is coming back for a second year, and I think that's that's fair. If, if they would have replaced him with Madden, I would have understood that too.
0: All right. Well, with knowing that the uh, the I guess the brain trust is coming back, I think there's going to be some major changes with the roster. Or at the very least, there's going to be some major decisions that need to be made money-wise. And I guess the the biggest one to start with will be Victor Martinez. Uh, all reports are he wants a four-year contract. And he is coming off a career season, but he's also 35 years old. He'll be 39 if he gets those four years. Uh, with a lot of long-term contracts already on the books or negotiations are looming in the case of someone like David Price, Is keeping an aging Martinez a realistic option? Because right now, I really don't know if there's any obvious internal or external options other than Martinez right now.
2: Right. I don't know who it was on your website, but somebody wrote that they probably shouldn't keep Martinez because of – the. I, I can't remember who that was. I don't know if it was Kurt or whoever, but mm-hmm. um, because of the injuries that Miguel's had and, you know, how he's aging so far. But um, I don't know. I, I look at it this way. He, he's going to be expensive, but you have no choice. You mm-hmm. have to sign Victor Martinez if you're the Tigers. You have no internal candidates. I mean, who's going to be your DH if it's not Victor Martinez? I don't yeah. think anybody can – I mean, J.D. Martinez, but you need an outfielder. I mean, yeah, Andy Dirks was claimed all waivers by the Blue Jays today, so he's not even in the organization as depth anymore. So uh, J.D. is slotted in there, so you don't have an internal op- option. I mean, if you go externally, yeah, you could sign Nelson Cruz, but he's going to cost you just as much as Victor Martinez is, and I think Victor Martinez is a better, more consistent hitter, uh, than, and he could place in first base and you know maybe catch in a pinch, so he's got a little bit of peripheral value on that front. Uh, so those are your two options, and you know to be at the slam dunk, if all money is equal, it's got to be Victor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he might Get four years, he may get fifty million again. And if you think about it, that would that would add up to an eight-year, hundred million dollar contract that he yeah. signed with the Tigers, which I don't think anyone expected anything to get close to that. But uh, they have no option. They are really up against the law on Victor. Uh, they know they're going to probably say goodbye to Max and you know some other people. But with Victor, there's nobody on the market that can do what he does. You can't say that about Scherzer. If they wanted to go sign a starting pitcher, they could sign someone who'd do almost as well as Scherzer, if not better. Um, you know, but they don't have that option with Victor Martinez. So I'd be very stunned if he's not back. And the only way he's not back is if, say, the Royals or the White Sox or the Indians, you know, somebody just blows the cover off the, you know, uh, off an offer and offers 20, 30 million more than the Tigers would, then he's got to go. But I don't see that happening. I think the Tigers have to bring
1: him back. I think they will. Yeah, I think your your instinct is probably correct on that. Even though four years might be four years, it might be a little bit too too much.
2: Be a year too. It'd probably be a year too much. About you know yeah. mid season, I thought three years, forty five million. You know, a little bit more money annually, a little bit less. You know, one less year might be fair. Uh, but I think he's he's priced himself out of that range now. There will be suitors for four years, so they're just gonna have to bite the bullet on that. Right. So, we know they're, they're, can, so the Tigers, side, everyone can cringe at what the Tigers are going to look like in four mm-hmm. years.
1: <laughs> right, right. And we know they're going to spend a lot of money keeping Victor Martinez, which leads to the next question. is As we've already said, if you spend money, big money, especially in these certain other areas, it doesn't leave as much to patch up areas such as the bullpen, which has, as you pointed out, been the big issue now for, what, seven, eight years. So how did the Tigers address the bullpen going forward? We just heard that Joaquin Soria, his option was picked up, so he'll be back. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about uh, what about going forward with the closers? Is there a chance the Tigers could eat Joe Nathan's contract? How, how do you see them addressing not only the closer role, but filling in some of the middle pieces as well? Yeah, that, that's going to be tricky because um – you don't like to spend a lot of
2: money on the bullpen because theoretically you could get some pieces that can help you. And the Tigers have a couple that might be able to help them, you know, maybe in May, June, whatever, with Buck Farmer, a couple other minor leaguers, but you don't know. And you don't know what the status of Bruce Rondon is going to be. I know the Tigers say, oh, he's going to be ready for spring training. Well, that's rich, given that he only had Tommy John surgery last March. And I don't know anyone who's come back in 12 months and been ready to go from the get-go. I mean, you look at Joel Hanrahan. Did Tommy John surgery last May and never made it back this year? So I don't think there's any guarantee with Ron like the Tigers are trying to sell us. Uh, so yeah, they don't have internal pieces, and that's the problem because you want those internal pieces for the bullpen because they're cheap. Now they got to go spend money, you know. And you look, you know, you're looking if you want to go get Andrew Miller, you're looking three years, twenty-seven million for a lefty reliever. Uh, you know, if you want to go get David Robertson or, or someone along those lines, you know, that's expensive. So, you know, they're really, uh, they're really in a tough spot here because they have to make improvements but they can't just go buy everybody you look at yeah. they have a hole at center field they have a whole, you know a whole center field they might have a hole in the rotation they you know they need corner outfielders they need bullpen help but you can't go buy them all not yeah. with their contract situations or you're going to have a, a payroll about 240 million dollars and you know i know mike oates has been willing to lose money but he's not willing to lose that much money mm-hmm. on this team so um, I, I think they're going to have to explore a trade, because I think that's the only way that they can get multiple pieces back and keep the payroll in check. And uh, and I know Tiger fans are not going to want to hear this, but David Price is a candidate like to be traded because of the value he could bring back in return. Mm-hmm. And plus, I don't think he's completely sold on staying in Detroit long term. I really don't get that vibe for him at all. I don't think he was thrilled about being traded here, and I don't think he wants to be here long term. If you trade a guy like him, maybe to L. A. to Boston, who whatever, you can maybe get that center fielder that's not available on the free agent market, and maybe another couple pieces to fill in, mm-hmm. save some money, save some money off the payroll, use that money to go buy another reliever or two, and you fill in your holes that way. Or you take, or you take that money and you go buy James Shields, and you yeah. you know less, you, you spend less than you spend on David Price, you know. So there's options there, but I don't see the Tigers fixing everything they need to fix without making some big trade this offseason.
0: Yeah, yeah, and actually you just answered one of our other questions is asking about Price as a trade chip because of, uh, I guess you say, the other huge question mark for this team right now is the outfield. Because there's right now there's two positions that need to be filled. Obviously, J.D. Martinez is locked out and left. Uh, Tory Hunter is a free agent. And uh, unless he takes a huge pay cut, who knows if he's coming back, let alone his defense has declined to the point of, well, it's cringeworthy.
2: And surprisingly,
0: right. uh, Andy Dirks is now a Blue Jay as it was announced he was released by
2: the team. Yeah, so, I don't understand that either. I don't get that. I don't understand that move unless they, they just forgot to put him on the 40-man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that happens when, you know, I know he's had injuries, but my my God, he's your depth out there, you know. I mean, who knows if he comes back and he's healthy. I, I, I That's just a strange move to me. I don't understand that.
0: Yeah, because he's, he's capable of playing center field, and unless they think Rajai Davis is the answer in center field, which I don't know who would. Uh, right now he's your center fielder and that makes verbal
2: sense no it it does and you know I I, I agreed with the Tigers making the trade they made in July because it was you know bold it really solidified the rotation had a chance to pay dividends didn't work Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, you know I was okay with the trade but Boy, they they did it. At, you know, it was kind of a, wing, a wish, you know, and a hope and wish mm-hmm. kind of thing with Rajai Davis. And he didn't burn them in center field this year. I mean, he played okay. He just he's not, he doesn't get the good jumps that Austin Jackson got. He's you know he just he doesn't despite his speed doesn't cover as much ground as Austin Jackson covered. Um, so he's a corner outfielder, and he's a part-time corner outfielder at that. Right. So, yeah, they got that. And, and, and see, that's where I come back to the David Price trade thing, because if you look, obviously you guys know, you look at the options in center field on the free agent market, they're slim. You're Colby Rasmus or nobody, basically, unless you think Melky Cabrera can play center field for you, and I don't think anyone thinks that. So you have Colby Rasmus. Are they just going to sign him because he's the only guy available? I, I would hope not because yeah. he's not that good. I mean, he's 280 on base guy. He you know, hits a, l- a little bit of power, but, you know, all signs say he's not the easiest guy to get along with, all these kind of things that have that have kind of followed him over the years. I'm not sure that they just settle on him because he's the only guy available. But if you explore a trade with David Price, and you look out in L.A., they have a surplus of outfielders. You look at Boston, they have a surplus of outfielders. is a possibility. You know, hmm. you look at those different, you know, and Boston's probably not going to sign John Lester because they don't want to go five years for a pitcher. Are more than five years for a pitcher, so they might be looking to, for David Price. So you you have to explore these trade possibilities. And I know the Tigers fans would be disappointed mm-hmm. if they traded Price and they, after they gave up Smiley, they gave up you know Jackson and Willie Davis. I know they'd be disappointed, but. Price is the one guy who can fill in those holes on a trade. He can fill. He can get you a center fielder from somebody. He can probably get you a good reliever, and he can probably get you some bench help yeah. all in one trade. And then you take the money that you were spending on him and you go get maybe a James Shields or whatever, a guy you could sign long-term right now, mm-hmm. so you're not worried about this thing next year again, because Porcello's coming up again, too. So then you go get a guy who's locked up or you go get a Jason Hamilton type for three years or whatever. You take that savings and then all of a sudden you might be able to trade David Price, get four players for what you were paying David Price this year. Right. That's why I think it makes a lot of sense and why I think the Tigers have to explore that. All
0: right. And just to follow up with Torrey Hunter, Beaners, all these question marks in the outfield and it may take a blockbuster trade to fill in center, you think there's a possibility that we, that the Tigers could sign Tory Hunter as an, as a one year stop gap considering the corner outfield free agent options don't look very impressive either.
2: Right. There's a possibility. Um, I think they would be open to him coming back for like one year, $10 million or something like that, and be a guy who could play maybe 100 games, maybe do a little bit more sitting, you know, a little bit more bench help from him. Uh, yeah, then I think that there could be a fit there, because like you say, there aren't a lot of options. The Tigers do have some outfield prospects that are coming up, but I think can help them. I think Collins can help them. Next year, I think that Moya can help them next year. I think Collins is probably a little bit closer to helping them from a bench perspective because he can do so many different things. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's a possibility. But it's it be you know I'm not sure Torrey Hunter is a guy who wants to take that kind of role. When you look around, you know the Kansas City Royals have liked him for years, yeah. and they may offer him a two year deal for the same money he got from the Tigers. Uh, and they need offense, a guy who could DH and play the outfield. And
1: I, so I just I think the Tigers would be open to that. I think he's going to have a better offer. Now looking ahead to uh, 2015 and I guess first you have to look back. I you know we've talked about this on this podcast before. It seemed like you know from 2011, 2012, 2013 that the Tigers looked like a strong team, especially in 2013. A lot of people seem to think that was the the, the powerhouse team that was actually going to go all the way and win the World Series. The 2014 team did not look anything like that. So looking forward to 2015, are you seeing a still, you know, an elite team or are you looking at one in decline? Well, at the moment, I think it's in decline. Just, I mean, you have
2: to think it's in decline when you have Justin Verlander and Miguel Cabrera, who are going to probably fall off. You know, Verlander's falling off already, and I still think he can be a decent pitcher again. But... But you have to look at it that way. When you've got most of your star players are on the wrong side of 30, they're making a ton of money, doesn't leave you a bunch of money for anything else. Uh, yeah, I'd say they're in decline right now. But, you know, it's a long offseason. We know the Tigers are aggressive. We know when push comes to shove, Mike Gillich is going to okay that last, you know, big contract. Um so uh, I think that, that, you know, my answer to that now and my answer to that in February would probably be two very different things because I, I think this going to be a busy offseason for them, and I think they're going to be aggressive in filling their holes. That's what they always do. I don't think Mike Gillich is ready to say, all right, well, we gave it a run. You know, we're not going to do yeah. it anymore. I, I think he's still aggressive. And I, so I think today, yeah, they're in decline, but I think it could look a whole lot different in February.
0: And just one quick follow-up with that. Uh, with this, uh, With all this looming, do you anticipate – uh, the payroll increasing again, or do you think there's going to be some maybe a limit put on this team? Maybe we've reached the envelope, but we've been saying that for the last three years.
2: Yeah, it has to it has to increase. Just to, you know, for, I mean, right now, I mean, you're looking at a big raise for Justin Verlander. Miguel Cabrera is going to get a big raise soon. Um, you know, you got Rick Porcello going to make more money. Uh, you know, you got a lot of guys who're going to make more money if they keep David Price. He's going to make more money, mm-hmm. uh, and you still need you still need to fill in your holes. That's why the payroll control, and we come back yeah. to this again. That's why the payroll control really has to come in from a trade, and you really have two trade chips. I think would appeal to a lot of people. And you know, I mean, obviously Cabrera, I will not love mm-hmm. him, but realistically you're looking at David Price or Ian Kinsler, and I think Ian Kinsler is just too important to this team. Uh, David Price is the guy who's probably going to make 35 more starts for the Tigers, and that's probably going to be it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I think that that's how they have to explore that. Not only can they get a bunch of pieces for as much as they were paying price, but they can also keep the payroll in check that way. And I, and I think that's going to be important. I mean, we didn't, you know, for instance, about the payroll – if you look at it today, they didn't announce anything about Alex Avila, right. so I don't know if that means his option was declining, but it might. And if that's what that means, obviously they want Alex Avila back next year. Yeah. Um, but and his option was for 5.4 million. He made 4.1 last year. Well, everyone knows in arbitration people get raises no matter what, right. so he's going to be close to that 5.4 million anyway. But declining his option would tell me they're looking to save a few hundred thousand dollars, and that would be a sign that maybe they know they're going to have to cut corners somewhere. <laughs> Because they know they're going to have to spend big this off season, so I think it'll be bigger than bigger than it is today, obviously, mm-hmm. and bigger than it was last year. Uh, but I'm sure they're going to do everything they can to keep it in check. All right. Well, I mean, uh, they can't be a 240 million dollar team. I know the yeah. fans would love it. I mean, I get emails mm-hmm. all the time. Well, sign Nelson Cruz, sign James Shields, sign Andrew Miller. Well, okay, you know, but you can't really do that. Now, you know, the, we're, you know people need to remember well, Mike Gillich is – treated this like a big market town this is a mid-market town and he spent big market dollars he can't spend a whole lot more than what he is right now it'd be it'd be out of control and he certainly doesn't want to get to the luxury tax again like they had to pay a couple years ago
0: right all right well i know you have a lot going on today for all the breaking news from the tigers so uh before we let you go uh what's the best way for our listeners and readers to uh follow you online
2: (laughs) well excuse me um, Twitter and everyone's heard of Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Paul, 1984. Uh, Tony Paul, 1984. You can follow me there, and uh, yeah, it's always a good time. I enjoy interacting with uh, Tiger fans. Many of them, most of them, are very intelligent, so it's a lot of fun.
0: All right, all right. Anything you'd like to add, folks? Slide before we let Tony get back to work.
1: No, I think that's just about it for for today. And hopefully, Tony, you'll come back and join us at a future podcast, and we'll talk about more Tigers related stuff
2: never again guys this was a one-time okay. deal <laughs> absolutely all right absolutely. thank you so much tony all right guys you have a good
1: day you too bye-bye
0: all right so uh that was not the most uh encouraging uh <laughs> i think the best uh, encouraging uh, uh, uh look forward at the 2016 team because and thing is though a, I agree. If a lot he you had to say, I mean, there is a lot of question marks with this team, and sure, sure. but the thing is, most of these answers we're not going to know for another at least another month or so.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I think you're right about that. We got November. I mean, uh, it seems like Dave Dombrowski usually makes at least one or two moves, you know, around November, and then you got the winter meetings coming up, and there may or may not be some movement there. But yeah, it's uh, it's to be expected, you know, to hear that kind of uh, kind of depressing take on on the the forward outlook you know and so mm-hmm. so forth just because of the way things ended it was it was a very lackluster season you know the way they the tigers barely limped into their division title and and then promptly got swept right back out of the playoffs you know so i'm not i'm not sure what uh, it, it's it's not a surprise to me that that there's a little bit of a dour outlook i guess yeah
0: uh, yeah yeah. But... To say the very least, I think dower is a good way to put it, and that could change. Obviously, uh, you know, as the off season goes on, and we're still very, very early into it. As we just saw by all the breaking news as we record this, obviously on Halloween afternoon. Uh, now that the season is over, a lot of teams are we'll making news. But let's move on to well, the the podcast itself. Well, we get the chat. So first, let me ask you, Hookslide. Uh, what have you been up to since the season came to an unceremonious end? Because it really feels like we've been in recovery mode, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I unplugged from baseball after the Tigers got swept out of their uh, ALDS. Mm-hmm. And uh, I only tuned back in um, for Game 7 of the World Series and only to watch the last couple of innings and see how that you know, all panned out. So, yeah, I kind of did a full break, you know, cold turkey. And uh, this is just the time when, when – uh, You know, I I tend to do the things that I put off all summer long, the books I wanted to read, the TV shows I wanted to catch up on. Uh, My wife and I went to the opera the other night. You know, we do that, that kind of stuff, so... Yeah, Boy, so it's just kind of like okay, you're now the baseball here. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you I know, mean, we, we can be. Um, I think we like to keep a very uh, good balance, you know, of mm-hmm. uh, low brow and highbrow going on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this just, is the
0: low bar- brow part of the uh, of of things right now, obviously.
1: <laughs> so yeah, Bud Lights and hot dogs, and yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. no, it, I I was thinking today that I I really can't imagine being a, a three hundred and sixty-five, you know day you're sports person like some people do when baseball is over then it's like right into football and then right into hockey and basketball and i couldn't do it i you know i, I have to unplug after baseball is done and just kind of yeah. take that for training again so what have you been up to
0: well it's i, I pretty much did the same thing as you i really i was burned out Big time by this season, and just by everything in general. Plus, uh, I was—I'm ba- battling some health issues. I'm, uh, I'm having, i my my—I'm having—I was having—I uh, became severely anemic, which meant I was extremely tired. So I was pretty much knocked off my feet for the last few weeks, and so I've been kind took a complete break from baseball as well. I've been just a fan of football right now, and. Like you, I think the, really the only game I really paid a serious amount of attention to over the past few weeks was game seven of the World Series. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's weird hookslide in that I think we're probably not alone in this and that uh, I know we've kind of just, uh, touched on this before, but this te- season really kind of took a toll on everybody. Just, I, you know, it just, it, it, that, I have a sour taste in my mouth for some reason over this and the entire baseball season, how, you know, going back to, uh, you know, the Doug Fister trade to how, mis- you know, just to how miserable the season was to how they just got not just, it just got kicked out of the postseason in three games. And it's, you know, I mean, I'd like I think myself as a huge fan, but this was one season that really I found mentally draining.
1: Yep. Yep. And, and we talked about the reasons, you know, mm-hmm. for that, I think, just because it yeah. was never it was never a season, I think, that felt like the Tigers were in control. Mm-hmm. It was never a season where we could just kind of kick back and relax and enjoy it. It was, it was yeah, yeah. nail biting all the way down. for those
0: couple weeks there in May, or, you know, where things were looking like they were going to run away with it. But uh, you know, and it is different for us because obviously we we really immerse ourselves in the game through, for you know for like eight months out of the year. I just wanted to kick back and be a fan and not worry about having an opinion on it or have you know having to write about it or even having to talk about it and that's why i just kind of just dived head first into lions football you know in the nfl and college football in general because i can just be a fan pure and simple and and not have to worry about being quite so emotionally involved in it, I maybe mean, that's a good way to put it.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, understandable. I, I get that same vibe, like you said, from a lot of other fans. You know, whether it's on Twitter, or, you know, at the, at the website, or you know, email people that keep in touch with me. That just it, it was kind of a strange season for Tiger baseball. So the yeah. I mean, all I can do is kind of you know <laughs> enjoy the fall and the winter, and as you we were saying before the show, Thanksgiving is what three or four weeks away now. You know, so yeah, we we kind of put all that behind us, and and hopefully, uh, you know go forward into 2015 with a little more excitement and less sour taste.
0: Well, I think we'll have some of that, especially when the winter meetings roll around and the Tigers start making some moves that we can argue about or discuss because, yeah, right now everything is in limbo. And it really, you know, it's kind of frustrating to think that we don't know what the Tigers are going to do, as Tony said you know there there's a lot of questions here where this team could look very much the same yet be far more expensive, and that you know I think that's another another frustrating part because we just don't know what's going to happen and because and this team really feels like it's on the precipice of going one way or the other.
1: Yeah, but you know, some of that excitement's already coming back because you know, as mm-hmm. we watching the headlines you know, just today and seeing some of the the moves that are already yeah, being and we're made.
0: talking about it again. Yeah,
1: exactly. So yeah, it gets back to that point of like, you know, I I never expected Andy Dirks to yeah, that you know, was a shocker to go somewhere else. He was supposed to be part of that left field platoon and you know, add to the defense and have a left handed bat and all that good stuff. And now he's gone, and so already that creates that nice little moment of anticipation of like, how are they going to fill that hole? Mm-hmm. I don't know, and it's kind of cool to wait and see. You know, it may it may turn out badly, but mm-hmm. at least there's some of that, you know, excitement, anticipation there, kind of, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, let's move on to actual baseball talk. I guess we should start at the end of the season, that being the Giants topped the Royals uh, to become World Series champs. The Giants won their third title in five years, and the Royals did end up with their best year since 1985, you know, extending the World Series to seven games and and what and, and they and it was a fairly compelling run for the Royals, but it was frustrating for Tigers fans uh, in that seeing two teams that really I don't think have the high level talent that the Tigers do, but really, you well, know I guess as as Tony mentioned earlier, they they look to have more well balance. They have a bench. They have a uh, guys that they could plug in and you are fairly confident they're going to produce and and for that matter they play, they both played very very good defense so you know I guess that was the frustrating part about what parts of the World Series I did see is that the tigers kind of sold yeah we're going to be more like this we're going to be more like these teams and they really were just it was just more of this close a little bit better but they were still
1: were more of a softball team uh, yeah, they they leaned more towards the softball team, and not even as good a softball team as they were in they years were, past. Exactly. So you kind of got neither world. You didn't yeah. get the the top heavy softball team. You also didn't get the lean and speedy you know team that the mm-hmm. Royals had. But the Royals are a funny study, I think. You know, just the mm-hmm. fact that, uh, as we know, they they had one of the worst offenses. You know, in the American
0: yeah, they, League. they are. That's a good point. They are a weird team, they didn't hit home runs until the no, season. You know
1: right, and that's kind of the thing. Is you say, well, you know. If you even have one or two guys, three guys along the way that can that can hit the home run, they're not going to lead the league. They're not going to hit forty a year, but they can mm-hmm. do it. Um, that comes in handy. But the Royals did what they did, you know, with a lot of speed on the base paths, um, a very very good bullpen, and shut
0: down bullpen. Really? Yes,
1: an unbelievable defense. Yeah, the defense was top flight, and mm-hmm. so you know, I guess it proves the old saying that you know, run prevention is almost as good as you know, yeah. scoring the runs. So they, you know, they're they're kind of the mirror image of the Tigers in that yeah. in that respect.
0: And seeing Madison Bogdaner do what he did for the Giants, uh, that game seven, it was just a a magnificent performance from an ace. And again, it just kind of made me feel bad that you know we've seen Tigers pitchers do that, in the, you know, in the early part of the playoffs, but they never had they never had that chance. Or could come through in a World Series the way Baumgartner did because that that's a guy who put a team on his shoulders and said I'm going to take you to the World Series, especially in games. You know, I'm going to take you to the World Series championship, I should say, and he did that in in Game Seven. And it was interesting just looking back at how obviously there are some differences there, but you know, and in, in, in the health of the pitcher. But looking back at how Osmus handled. Uh, Anibal Sanchez saying, oh, I can't let him throw more than 30 pitches, even though the guy was lights out. And he pulled him, and that ended up costing the Tigers a series. And then seeing Baumgartner, who I'm sure there was no plans he was going to pitch five innings in Game 7. But the way the game uh, progressed, the Royals could not do a thing with him. And uh, Bruce Bochy just rode his horse to the title. So, I guess that was kind of frustrating, too. I guess my concern, if I was a Giants fan, is that, boy, that that was a heavy workload for Baumgartner. But then again, he's got the entire offseason to recover. And that kind of, when you compare that to how they handled Sanchez, well, that's
1: frustrating. Sure. Sure it is. And and there's... You know, the counter argument I suppose would be to say that, you know, that doesn't make Bruce Bochy any smarter than Osmus. Mm-hmm. It just means that he finally had him, you know, at the literally the last game of the baseball mm-hmm. season. And yeah. So that that's a place where you can kinda of let it all hang out and say, Yeah, I'm gonna put my ace in there in the middle of the game and let him pitch until his arm falls off because yeah. there literally is not a game tomorrow. Right. And, you know, I suppose some of the the other managers, like even Osmus, would say, Well, I had to be careful because I had to think about tomorrow. Yeah. You know, well, we may differ on that, but uh, you know, it, it was one of those series where, like you said, it, it's 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 a shame that the Tigers haven't had a chance to show off their ace pitching, yeah. you know, the starting pitching like that.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it just makes the 2013 season that much more frustrating because yeah. how good the, the starting pitching was it, in the playoffs yes, that
1: year. it was. Awesome, and they even relied on Max Scherzer to come in in the ALDS. Yep, Remember, he exactly. came in and pitched in yep. game four and mm-hmm. two yeah. innings. Yep. Yeah, we've, we've seen this before, but yeah,
0: it, it got it looks more and more like 2013 was the Tigers' year. Really, <laughs> no, let's just move on from that and talk yeah. about uh, well, this, this offseason because as we're recording right before we recorded this podcast. There was a lot of breaking news, and, you know, and, and again, thank you for Tony for taking a break from his writing to uh, talk to us, because he had, he had his hands full well this afternoon of all the stuff the Tigers released today. Uh, obviously, the first one was a no-brainer. Uh, free agents Victor Martinez and Max Scherzer were giving qualifying offers, one-year qualifying offers, meaning the team will get a draft pick as compensation if they go elsewhere. Uh, Andy Dirks in the Shocker, as we mentioned, was released and picked up by the Blue Jays, and Don Kelly. Uh, Donnie Baseball was sent to Triple A Toledo. So I guess we're, we're both in agreement. I guess the only huge surprise here was uh, Andy Dirks moving on just because of the lack of depth in the outfield. I guess. The move of Dirk's kind of shows that maybe we're going to see more Tyler Collins and Stephen Moya next year.
1: Could be. Like I said, it, it does leave that funny little question mark, and we get to mm-hmm. sit and kind of uh, you know, anticipate and wait and see what the what the move will be. Like I told you before the show started, I'm surprised that Don Kelly went down to Toledo yeah. in light of that, in light of Dirk's being mm-hmm. released and picked up by the Blue Jays. You'd think, well, now you need more depth. You don't send mm-hmm. Kelly down, but maybe they have something else. Uh, yeah. We were saying that they picked up Winton Bernard's contract from the White Caps, mm-hmm. and I, I really, really liked watching him play for the Caps this year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. He's a center fielder. Um, you know that that might be on their mind, kind of moving him up through the system. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, uh, there were two other moves too that I, I wanted to mention too. Evan Reed got sent down to Toledo, which okay. not a huge surprise there. But right. uh, Patrick McCoy got picked up by the Baltimore Orioles. Ah. And that only, you know, kind of makes me curious because the, the Orioles also had a very, very good bullpen mm-hmm. this year. They had a yeah. lot of depth there, a lot of arms to choose from. So if they saw something in McCoy that they wanted, that's that's curious to me.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of curious moves going on right now. So And obviously, the, the the as Tony brought up as well, the one curious omission from this news was the not picking up of Alex Avila's option. Though I believe the Tigers still have about uh, three weeks to make that decision, uh, with his injury history and the concussion issues, uh, you, you, uh, you know, I think you gotta, br- you know, you gotta bring him back. But you just, I think, ne- if Avila comes back, as Tigers catcher, I think it's going to be more in a part-time role as a, as a platoon guy because I never, you know, the, the injury issues are just looming so huge of him nowadays.
1: Yeah, Alex Avila was a late. Uh, they dealt with his situation late last uh-huh. year too. Remember, it came right down That's to the right. wire, and people said, yeah. what, "What's going on? Mm-hmm. Are they going to go to arbitration?" I don't think they've even made it to arbitration. But right. um, so who knows what the situation with Avila is, and why it seems to take them longer to get his contract, you know, tied up. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the injury is a huge concern. Just the fact that. We said it was a three concussions just last year alone. Yeah, and you kind of
0: wonder how many maybe he's had in the past. It may have even be right. diagnosed.
1: Yeah, so that's you. You always kind of scared that when when is the next one going to be the last one? You know, yeah. <laughs> when they have to carry him off the field, that would not be a good thing. So, uh, you know, but he says he's healthy. He says mm-hmm. he wants to play. So I'm going to have to, you know, hard hard for me, the the layman, to sit back they, and go, no, know. you you can't do that. Yeah. The man knows his own body, so
0: yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, we, you know, we can say one one entire thing, but we don't know the inner workings of what's going on between obviously the contract and the physical issues he has. So we can only speculate. But you know, looking at where this team stands, it, it, it's pretty much I think a no brainer. You bring Alex Avila back because you know, again, I really have find it hard hard to believe the Tigers will roll with a with the uh, without a true, real veteran catcher next year. All right. Uh, other big news that we missed that happened since we missed uh, Hook Slide has well Miguel Cabrera had off-season surgery again uh, last week. He underwent successful right ankle surgery to remove bone spurs, and the one that kind of shocked everybody that there was also a stress fracture that needed to be repaired. Uh, it was the navicular bone in that same foot. He's going to be re- re- reevaluated in three months. It's expected his rehab is going to linger into spring training, and the Tigers really can't say for sure if Cabrera's going to be ready for opening day. And this makes the second consecutive year uh, Cabrera's offseason, uh, well, he's not going to be able to prepare for the season in his normal way because of an injury and surgery. So, uh, no, we're, we you know, we kept saying during the um, during the season, looks like, yeah, give Cabrera a normal offseason. I think we'll, we'll see the same guy that we saw from, you know, from 2010 to 2013, Uh, now with the surgery and obviously the lack of preparation he's going to be able to put into the season, I think those concerns are back that he may have, at least for Cabrera, will get off to a slow start may end up with another season similar to this,
1: a good season but not a great season it's very possible it may not be the same kind of uh setback yeah i'm just thinking in terms of you know when your foot rehab is very very different from core muscle rehab i would tend to right. think since the core controls so much of your power and that's what we saw was the power sap you know yeah. he couldn't he couldn't hit the home runs like he used to this year uh because of the core muscle recovery and and, and so forth so you, you hope that uh foot rehab is, is going to be a little different um he may not be as fast, of course he wasn't fast to begin with, um, but you know hopefully he's not uh as uh, power drained this right. you know going into 2015. but yeah it, it's either way it, you hate to have that question mark, just after this guy is going to make all the doomsdayers right
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know when they when they said a couple of years ago, oh, we signed that huge you know contract extension and that you know that that's when people go off the the deep end right yes. as soon as he signs for that three hundred million you know, yep. that, that, that deal, then uh, it all goes, it all goes south and um, it's not looking good so far. <laughs> we know it has nothing to do with the contract itself, mm-hmm. but there it is, you know, yeah. it's just, frustrating. It's,
0: Yeah, again, it's just uh, timing, bad luck, whatever you're going to say, because I don't think anybody in their right mind thought the Tigers were going to be able to allow Miguel Cabrera to leave. They had to sign him. And ridiculous money, yeah, but you know, that's that's baseball, that's today's baseball. And he's still gonna be Miguel Cabrera, I guess I maybe if they learned one lesson hook slide, obviously as you mentioned, the rehab's gonna be different. But don't rush him back. Because I think it was obvious you now, especially as we saw with Justin Verlander, even though, you know, the signs were there that oh yeah, they look okay. I I you can't risk, you know, there's so much money at risk here, especially with Cabrera, and how much he means to the team. If he's going to miss a few weeks at the start of the season, so be it. I, You know, you have to wonder you know, how the end of the last two seasons may, you know, may have exacerbated the surgeries he ended up having to have in the offseason. So if it means the Tigers, you know, get off to a slow start because Cabrera has to sit for a few weeks to start the season, at this point I don't care. I want to see... MVP caliber Miguel Cabrera. If that means he's got to sit for a few weeks, so be it.
1: It's an interesting question that you're raising there, like kind of a chain reaction. Yeah. And I'd love to get, I and mean, we will get Rob, uh, you know, Rajaki mm-hmm. back on the show and to talk about this, you know, from a medical perspective and what we can expect out of uh, Cabrera next year. But uh, you, you raise a very good point. Who knows that the one surgery, you know, led, led him to put too much um, yeah. compensation on another part of the body, and now that's why he's having the foot surgery. And if they rush him back, who knows that leads to who knows? You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. elbow surgery. I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah, you have yeah, the foot bone know. connects to the whatever. That's yeah, right. what's next? Oh, like, yeah,
1: yeah. So you're you're right. Don't don't rush him back. You know, the the pennants aren't won in April necessarily, even though those games count. But you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, let let the guy heal fully, and and, and hopefully not uh, have continual issues year after year after year.
0: Right. All right. Something else that happened while we were on our hiatus was Dave Dombrowski spoke but didn't say much of anything. He had his annual postseason State of the Tigers press conference, and the GM president of the team essentially said the Tigers will have a high payroll. They need their stars to be stars. The bullpen needs to improve. They need more contributions from young players. Joe Nathan will have to earn his job. They want to keep uh, Victor Martinez. And and I think the words he used, uh, as things stand, the coaching staff will return. But as usual, and I think this is what frustrated fans, slide, Dombrowski didn't give us a clue as to who, what, where, why, how he is going to address any of the issues facing the Tigers. But we shouldn't be surprised. He never does.
1: I don't know if any general manager does. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily follow, you know, the other team's general managers, but Mm -hmm. I can't think of a time that that any of them ever stepped out in front of the mic and said, well, here's my game plan, you know. Here's yeah, my especially full...
0: there's tampering. Uh, ch- could be charges yeah. involved. There's all kinds, kinds of things that you know you don't want to give your co- your competition a
1: clue. Which so exactly. If, if Dombrowski is working on specific deals right now, and you know mm-hmm. whoever he is, the teams that he's working mm-hmm. with, he's not going to share that information. Yeah. But I also will you know say that that press confer- conference was a snoozer. Yes. It was just so many platitudes and the same you know boilerplate words and phrases that we've come to expect. And like you said, he spoke, but he didn't say anything. The, the one, uh, phrase of interest that I, that I thought was, you know, was Mm -hmm. when he said that, that Joe Nathan would have to earn his job. Essentially. Right. That was the one line out of the whole thing that I thought, Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that he said, what what was it? He said, Joe Nathan will be our closer, you know, to start. Yes. he will have to prove that he can continue to keep that job. Right. Oh, uh, OK, so they're not completely, uh, you know, averse to the idea of not using him in the closer. Mm-hmm. And, and and so I think that's that's interesting.
0: Yeah. And that was as you said, that was about the only thing interesting he said, you know, because uh, that's just who he is. And as you said, uh, I, I can't think of any other jam in any sport who's going to lay out their offseason game plan for the media and fans. It just doesn't happen. Uh It, it was just as just it was just more frustrating, just because of how frustrating the season was, and you were hoping for uh, a glimmer into his to his innermost thoughts as to how he's going to fix things, but that's not Dave Dombrowski's way. He's uh, a enigma at best when it comes to uh, parsing his words. He, you know, this is he, this guy's a pro, and he and I really do have a feeling. I don't know about you. That even though he didn't say much anything, I have a feeling he's going to do a lot. I tend to agree with Tony in that I have a feeling he's going to do his damnedest to pull off a blockbuster trade to solve a lot of these glaring holes.
1: I wouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, we know he's capable of that. His yes. mind works in those ways. You mm-hmm. know, he's not afraid to get even. You know, three teams involved if need yeah. be to move some pieces around and uh, make it a little bit more complicated. So, I, yeah, I would. I would expect that. Like you said, they're certainly not going to uh, stand pat. They have mm-hmm. some huge, huge question marks that need to be answered, you know, in terms of the bullpen, in terms of the outfield, in terms of, you know, uh, like you said, some of these uh, bigger contracts that need to be extended yeah. or let go. You know, so it, it's going to be a very interesting offseason uh, for me personally. The Doug Fister trade last year, however, puts me on my guard.
0: Yeah, because when Tony was talking about the th- uh, holes that could be passed if they traded, for example, David Price, I immediately flashed back to the haul they got for Doug Fister.
1: Right, and yeah. that's that's uh, we're all a little bit gun shy from that move you know and maybe not running into this off season with quite as much happiness you know mm-hmm. and joy and like oh boy let's see what you know grandpa dave gives us you know or yeah. <laughs> maybe he's uncle dave i don't know santa <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's see what happens you know there's the, for me anyway there's a the hesitation of like oh let's yeah yeah like curiosity anticipation but not necessarily of the good kind because you just don't want to see the doug fister trade all over again
0: yeah. And yeah, it, I, I keep saying, I think the Doug Fister trade is the new John Smoltz trade. That's going to be the one everybody points to now <laughs> as right. to, oh, uh, you don't, you can't trade pitching right. because of that. So, right. but talking about the money involved here, that's a nice segue into a payroll discussion as we, uh, talk, as Tony mentioned somewhat. Uh, we're seeing two different, uh, ways of thought in regard to Tigers payroll. Uh, if you look on um, in the newspapers, for example, Lynn Henning of the Detroit News believes a 170 million plus payroll is a legitimate possibility. I think Tony also said that as well. Uh, and because the numbers, folks, uh, are kind of scary. And this is what uh, I've been able to find online so far: uh, Miguel Cabrera, Justin Verlander, Ian Kinsler, Anibal Sanchez, Joaquim Soria, and Joe Nathan are all on the 215 books for 100 million dollars. Obviously, the club option for Alex Avila would add another $5 million plus. You have arbitration years of David Price, Rick Porcello, J.D. Martinez, and there's a few others, but those are the three biggies who are all going to get significant raises, especially Price and Porcello. I mean, they're going to make huge money. Uh, and then you, you got to sign players to fill roster holes in the outfield and bullpen, as we discussed. And there's also the possibility... Uh, bringing back Victor Martinez for stupid money. We're, no, as fifty million dollars is being thrown out there uh, for four years. Uh, last year the payroll was one hundred sixty-three million. Opening day, uh, odds are good, hook slide that Detroit's payroll could be pushing one hundred. Probably, I wouldn't be surprised if it's pushing one hundred eighty million by opening day. And if it's one hundred eighty-nine, the team's paying a luxury tax. Those yeah. numbers are scary. They really are. Yes,
1: especially for the, the end result. Like we've talked yeah. about, the, a team that's very top heavy with star power, and then there's no middle class. Mm-hmm. You know, then it's all the scrubs. After that, and you're stuck with, uh, you know, Ezekiel Carrera, you know, coming off the bench, or Hernan Perez is your last at bat in the in the ALDS.
0: <laughs> oh God. You
1: know, because you've you've done exactly what you just described. You know, yeah. a, a lot of money being eaten up by a very small amount of players. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say 2013 wasn't that. Um, you said 163 million, right? Yeah, it was
0: for la- uh, last like 2014. year. Opening, yeah, 2014's opening day payroll was 163. 163.
1: 2013 right. then was somewhere in the 150s. I, I want to say right. 152, 153. Exactly. So if you, I mean, you're looking at it, it went up by 10 million, you know, over a year, it, then it's not at all, you know out of the question to say it's going to go by another 10 especially when you just rattled off those names and said we're already at 100 million you yeah. know and we haven't even touched the bullpen or the outfield or anything that really needs to be dealt with so i i don't uh, yeah they're dobrowski's gonna have to pull off a trade
0: yeah
1: if, if to keep these guys uh, you know out of the luxury tax i, I think he's gonna have to yeah yeah, because um, so well, let's put it uh-huh. to, we'll put it to yeah. a to a vote. You know, let the, let the mm-hmm. listeners kind of chime in. You know, like flip a coin. But is it going to be Porcello or Price that gets traded?
0: Yeah, who do you? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I think it'll come down uh, to one of those two. Yeah, uh, who do you think would? Uh, in some ways, I think maybe Rick Porcello would get you. I think, maybe, I, God, that's a really that's a tough question to answer because obviously Price is good. I mean, this Reformer Cy Young uh still relatively young i think he's what 28 or so
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, he's under team control for another year that's a big deal and uh but rick Burcello is younger rick borsello looks like he is he kind of had a breakout year even though he slumped in september uh and he's going to be cheaper than david price you know for probably for for the long term Uh, That's a good question because uh, I could see teams being more interested in Porcello because they find him to be more affordable long term. But you got to wonder if Porcello gets you the same haul as David Price, but I would think the market for Price is going to be smaller than it would be for Porcello just because of the money involved.
1: Yeah, you could be right. I mean, it's an open question. I, I just yeah. think that of the you know various areas where Dombrowski could trade, I think his his uh, position of strength is starting pitching, yeah. and I, I think he is still looking at Robbie Ray as a viable, uh, fill-in. You know, yeah. for mm-hmm. fifth, fifth starter. So you never know. He could be thinking in terms of, hey, I can afford to get rid of Rick Porcello because I've got Robbie Ray, yeah. in in my hip pocket. Uh, you know, but again we're just speculating
0: yeah yeah and obviously the uh, the, re- the obvious replacement out there would be James shields but you know he ain't gonna come cheap either so uh but that, that leads us to the other way this could go because uh, Matthew B Montrey who has been a guest on the show uh he wrote in Yoen press that he he really falls in the way of their this team might be in if not cost cutting mode they're at the they, they're at the end of the rope when it comes to payroll and th- this number again is really shocking. He did the math, and, he, he, and, and this is the quote from his article: "If you combine the 198.5 million for the stars, and what he calculated is 57.5 million for the middle class, those are the arbitration eligibles. That's 156 million dollars for 11 players. Wow." <laughs> i feel like i'm talking about monopoly money at this point because this is just yeah. nuts yeah that, so, that's what leads me to think that yeah there's going to be a blockbuster trade to keep the payroll semi-reasonable Ninety
1: eight and a half million and for the stars fifty-seven and a half for the middle class and you come to yeah he's right 156 million to only cover 11 players you <laughs> that's not even half of your half of your, your roster.
0: roster yeah
1: that's that's insane
0: yeah so we <laughs> could see more than one big guy go, big contract go. And there's been talk since the tr- Ian Kinsler trade was made last year that Ian Kinsler could be trade bait. So, and I think the Tigers do believe they could, especially the offensive production of Kinsler fell off a cliff in the second half. That, and I think the Tigers might believe that they can get away with a uh, with uh, Perez or or Suarez at second base next year.
1: Oh boy! <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, just uh, because that would uh, that would alleviate about what about fifty million dollars of payroll and uh, give it. You know, because Kinsler's in the high teens for the next like three or four years.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, but. Golly, I keep waffling back and forth between thinking as a fan or trying to think as Dave Dombrowski would think. You yeah. know. <laughs> so when you start talking about getting rid of a, a player like Kinsler and, and trying to replace him with you know Hernan Perez or you know Eugenio Suarez, I, I think well,
0: be honestly, if you look at the offensive numbers, I bet your second halves are pretty similar
1: <laughs> between Kinsler and, and Suarez. And yeah, yeah uh, Kinsler was awful in the second half. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true yeah. enough, uh, but I don't know. That's he's he's a defensive piece. Uh, you know, he's That's got thing, he's got though. the he running was, piece. He had a gold glove season defense. Yeah, pitch. he was amazing. I want to see him tag team with Iglesias out there. Uh, at least you mm-hmm. know, yes, Kinzer was a pop up machine, and that would drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he could get on base sometimes, and, and then be a, a you know a, a bit of a weapon with his speed. Yeah, In terms of taking the extra base, going first to third, scoring from second, you know, on a, on a single, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, no, I would not trust uh, Eugenia Suarez in that spot. But, <laughs> but then again, I, you know, like I said, I'm just thinking like a fan now, and, and, yeah. and that's a gut reaction. And who the heck knows? Dave does. Yeah. <laughs> and, do, and actually, and do I we trust him, Al? Do we trust him? That's I the think question. I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt still. <laughs> All right.
0: But I, actually, I wasn't far off. Uh, Kinzer's OPS in the second half last year was 627, and Suarez's was 570. Ouch. Not a lot lot of difference there offensively. Uh, But then again, you know, Kinsler has a track record, and Suarez got off to a a really fast start and then did nothing for the most part for for the remaining, you know, for after his first month. And I don't, God, this is, I feel like this this podcast has become full of doom and gloom just talking
1: (laughs) about some of this stuff. Well, we haven't had any good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being unceremoniously bounced from the ALDS in three straight games. So, you know, mm-hmm. we promise there will be good news somewhere along the way. There has to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay optimistic.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, well, we've, yeah, that kind of leads to trade bait the discussion because uh, obviously we've brought up Kinsler, David Price, you brought up Rick Porcello. Uh, you know, right now, I would, you know, obviously Dave a uh, can be a miracle man at times, but uh Cabrera and Verlander are untradeable because of their contracts. And David, you know, I, right now, it, the, the more we talk about it, I would not be surprised if we see uh two of the three go. I really, just because there are so many holes with this team and the free, I, I, I think that's the difference outside like, because right now the free agent options for where the Tigers have needs are so lacking that it's, you know, it's it's scary to think about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, Colby Rasmus being the team center fielder next year.
1: It's a very thin market right now. Yeah. And that's why when we talk about, you know, uh, not blockbuster trades, but blockbuster signings out of the free agent market, I don't see that necessarily happening. Yeah. This year. So, um, but just that when you're talking about, are they going to trade someone like Ian Kinsler? I was just saying, you know, no, I think he'll trade out of his, his positions of strength i.e. starting pitching where he feels like mm-hmm. he's got more depth i don't think dombrowski would would want to tinker with the infield you know in order to solve that you know other problems that you know tinkering with the infield creates a problem it doesn't really yeah. solve anything
0: yeah and unfortunately that's when it comes to trade chips uh you know i really don't see much else especially when it comes to the um Minor leagues because the Tigers did unload some of their good young they players sure this did. past
1: year. They sure did.
0: You know, you know, could you hit a picture with someone like Drew Smiley could fetch now?
1: You know, no, so. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I keep, I keep thinking what an interesting year it's going to be next year to watch for me to watch the Whitecaps because they've been, yep. you know, gutted mm-hmm. after last year and get, you know, Knable went and Thompson yeah. went and Adamas went and now it sounds like Bernard's going in. So. Oh, next year is going to be a fun year for the Caps.
0: Yeah, right, because a lot of those guys you mentioned were really thought to be building blocks that would yes. be contributors around 2016,
1: 2017. Yes. You know, I mentioned Bernard, Winter Bernard. He's still in the system. He's just going up to Toledo. Yeah, what can, what can oh. you tell us about him? Uh, not much because I'm not a fancy scouty kind of guy. I go to the games and watch Mm. and I know he had a really good batting average. Um, he typically led off or batted second for them. Mm. He seems like he was forever getting base hits. He had a little bit of power. Um, well, is you he know.
0: more of a? Is he more of a a corner outfielder type, or is he a played guy? center field for them? He I is know. a center fielder.
1: Yes, yeah, and uh, you know, like I said, I'm not uh, advanced enough to know by watching a center fielder from you know 300 feet mm-hmm. away how yeah. good or bad he is, or whether he took the right routes. Nothing stood out to me though. In terms yeah, of and you can't
0: say that about someone like Rajai Davis' defense. That sometimes stood out for all the wrong reasons. That, so. that, that's what I mean.
1: In a negative yeah. way, nothing stood out right. negatively for me. He did stand out to me offensively just because mm-hmm. he seemed to be one of the guys in their lineup that consistently got on base and was a, a potential power threat. Yeah. So I always liked Quinton Bernard. Yeah. And I, I, I think I might have even said on previous podcasts, I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to move him up and see if he can stick in center field at some point.
0: Yeah, and talking about the, a guy like him, that's the sort of player the Tigers need to find, to, to break through in the next couple of years. Uh, just because, yeah, really, the only position player that right now you can really say is set in stone is going to be around for a while. That came up through the system, I think, is Nick Castellanos, uh, and you know, for all you know, for the flashes we've seen from guys like uh, Suarez and. Uh, Perez and uh, uh you know the outfielder you know Collins and Moya guys like that they're still major question marks well Nick Castellanos played a full season at third base and didn't embarrass himself I think he's going to be a pretty darn good player but the Tigers need more Nick Castellanos and we haven't seen him come through which leads to the Tigers spending so much damn money
1: right and it's it's kind of a thing that uh you know I'm not sure which comes first chicken or the mm-hmm. egg because like like you said the reason why they're in that situation is because they continually trade yeah too the you know those pieces out of the farm system and maybe that's you know like when we talked with Ben Chiswick back in August about yeah. that you know so that that's a legitimate way of using your farm system one way to use the farm system is to mm-hmm. actually develop the players and then have them come up and play for your team and contribute there another way to use it is to trade you know use them as trade bait yeah and that's the way that uh, the tigers farm system has been used the last couple of years that's why it's constantly you know gutted mm-hmm. so you know who's to say that's the right or the wrong way to do it
0: yeah and, and the other uh well the, the other argument you can make though is that uh, the tigers have not been bit badly by trading these prospects because very few of them have really uh become stars or you know really panned out yeah. even though at the time they were believed to be um uh, you know top tier prospects you know going back to Cameron maybe look how long it took for Andrew Miller to make his mark and he's made it as a left-handed reliever after several years of bouncing around the league so th- you know then you could make the point that well maybe the tigers have been doing it with mirrors. they've been fooling other teams with their prospects and you know you got to wonder you know how long they can keep pulling that off
1: no you raise i mean you raise a good point uh, i uh... Trade bait, you know, from the from the farm system is such a funny thing to me because mm-hmm. even as you're talking and saying, "Hey, none of these prospects that they traded have really become superstars," yeah. I, I immediately think, "Yeah, except for Cannable's going to be and mm-hmm. Jake Thompson's going to be." But you know, they well, said the
0: same thing about they, exactly. Cameron May,
1: You know, how do I know that? Well, because yeah. I, I liked what I saw when I saw him, you know, in, in class A ball. Well, mm-hmm. you have no idea if that's going to actually translate, you know. So you could be absolutely correct, you know, that we're just uh, – they, they can continue to trade these these pieces out of the farm system with impunity, and it, yeah. it's all going to work out. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Because but they don't – they, they're going to run out of money at some point. They can't just keep buying the talent.
0: Yeah, and – you know, as mu- as badly as um, Mike Ellich wants to win a World Series, he is—he's a billionaire for a reason. He's a very smart businessman, and obviously, I think even though more and more. It's the kids kind of running things. He still—I—I I would hope he's still calling a lot of the shots. And you know, he, he's not unlimited. As much as fans would like to think so, he's just not as big of money you can turn on, and money comes pouring out. Uh, the Tigers, you know. I, I tend to give the Tigers a little more credit, I think, than Tony. I still think it, Detroit's a big market. It's top 11. I think it's top 11 or 12 in baseball or in media market, period. And, you know, it, I mean, Southeast Michigan is a huge market. So, uh, you know, this is a team that can draw 3 million easy, you know, as long as they stay competitive. So, uh, you know, but the question is, you know, how long is Mike Ellich going to be around? What's You know, there's already talk that, uh, especially with the investment the Ilitch family is making with the Red Wings, that huge development they're putting in in the Foxtown area with their new Red Wings arena, that a time's going to come where this family is like is more likely to when when Ilitch does pass on, they, this family is more likely to keep the Red Wings because of that huge real estate investment and sell off the Tigers. So, you know. God, more gloom and doom because <laughs> I'm really afraid what could happen with this team if the Illich family ditches them. And and, and payroll plays a part in it. you got to wonder. I, I guess uh, uh, as I'm rambling here, I think this is where I'm kind of heading with this. We'll see what happens with this team payroll-wise. I think that will tell us a hell of a lot as to where we may see this team in a few years. If, it, if the payroll continues to rise, I think we can be assured that Mike Illich still you know, is running things. He wants his team to win. If we see payroll start to go down, if we see moves made to stabilize payroll, you know, maybe knock it down to one hundred and fifty or so. Uh, that I have that. That would mean I think the kids are running things, and this team is going to look very, very different in a few
1: years. Well, you know, we got next year to to look forward to, and that's about it's, it.
0: It's, yeah, that's that could be. You th- well, let me ask you this. You think it's
1: next year bust? we've been saying that for a couple now. I I never think in those terms because it's – No, I
0: know. Unfortunately, I do.
1: I don't because, look, I I can barely deal with the crap I've got to deal with tomorrow, okay, (laughs) let alone into 2015, let alone thinking about a baseball team beyond 2015 and worried that they're going to bust. I mean, shit, man. Who knows? They could be under different ownership, better ownership, better GM, worse GM, better Mm -hmm. manager, worse manager. Yeah. There's just so many variables there that I, you know, I look at it and go, look, I have a reasonable idea of what 2015 is going to look like, and even that vision is a little bit sketchy because, like you said, yeah. there's, there's there's some question marks. But I think it's, you know, I'm reasonably certain the 2015 team is not going to be a basement dwelling, you know, team like the Twins mm-hmm. were this past year. They're going to be a competitive team, and beyond that, hey. Go
0: full on Zen, you know, enjoy
1: the 2015
0: season. Oh, one day at a time, in other words. Yes. I don't know. That's You know, it's – but, yeah, it's – I I guess that probably would be a a good way of looking at it because there's the uncertainty with this team past next year. You know, yeah, maybe I should just uh, relax – and just revel in what goes down next year and let what the chips fall where they may after that. Right. You know, because I think the chips may be splashed everywhere after next year.
1: Could be. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, you could, yeah, and you got a point there because, uh, TV contracts change. Now, baseball, so no matter what you say about the game of baseball, you know, going by, like say the world series ratings, for example, uh, Baseball is far from dying. Baseball is rolling around in money right now, so who's to say that revenues won't continue to go up for the foreseeable future? You know, bubbles do burst, but right now, uh, it really doesn't look like uh, the money bubble in Major League Baseball is going to dry up. And you know, the Tigers, you know, aren't the only ones spending a hell of a lot of money. A lot of teams are doing that because of all this TV money. I mean, look at the contracts the Angels gave out you know over the last few years because of TV money. And you look at the money the uh, Yankees hand out because of TV money. So, the Tigers have a TV contract coming up in the next few years. There's going to be an influx of cash. You know, maybe I'm just uh, being a worry work for the sake of being worry work because you know, as as you as you trying to tell me. Things are in a state of flux, and they're going to be a state in flux, and they remain in a state of flux.
1: Always, because you know, even if everything works out in the baseball world, you know, the, the bomb could drop tomorrow. You know, oh geez, you never know. But <laughs> these things are always going to be these the two things. The zombie
0: apocalypse is going to be upon us, and this this podcast will be moot.
1: But there are two things that I hold to. Number mm-hmm. one, Scotch is really good. Oh yeah. Okay, so you've always got mm-hmm. that. And number two, uh, when you sign on to MLB TV, you will get a blackout restriction. Yeah. So those the, I I hold to those two things and let, yeah. let the rest of it sort itself out.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, as I alluded to the <laughs> uh, Major League uh, uh, World Series ratings, uh, it was just funny seeing the the whiplash. Uh, baseball was supposedly dying hook, slide after a boring Game One had the lowest ratings ever, but a winner take all Game Seven, no surprise, had more pe- more than double the viewers of Game One. And was one of the, probably the highest rated show of the week, probably behind NFL football, obviously the the Sunday night game. But uh, but when I was looking this up, you know what the lowest rated series of all time remains the Giants sweeping the Tigers in 2012. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess we do fall into that though because we didn't pay att- much attention to the World Series until it became winner go home for both teams.
1: Yeah, uh, obviously there's a lot of reasons for that, and I think. Um, I like to- I read an article. I can't remember who it was. It was it Craig that wrote it. I don't recall. Anyway, the point is uh, that that baseball tends to be more of a, a local market thing. Anyway, yeah,
0: with Craig Calcaterra? Yeah, yes. he has written a few yeah. things about that. Yes,
1: yeah. so that's that's to be expected. You know, when, yeah. when you take base, baseball and put it up on the on the you know national stage, so to speak, it's. Mm-hmm. Um, a little harder to judge how popular or not it is. I didn't watch because I didn't care about the Royals or the Giants, especially not the freaking Giants. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, But the Royals had a really good, you know, rags to riches storyline going. So I'm sure that attracted a little more attention than say a Tigers Giants series, you know, would have. Um, So, yeah, but uh, I think a lot of fans are probably going to be like you and like me and say, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I gave baseball six months of my year yeah. None of my teams made it. None of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I still wanted to see Oakland in there. I wanted to see the Dodgers in there. None of my teams made it. So a lot of people are just going to tune out and, you know, move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, even we. Uh, you know, obviously we grew up in two different eras. I grew up in the seventies where there was essentially five channels and three networks and that was it. And world Se- the World Series got absolutely gangbusters, blockbuster ratings. But things change you know and uh it no we're not baseball is not going to see the type of ratings they saw back then but no series no tv show no no sporting event is going to see those kind of ratings just because we're in a completely different era with more choices more things to do more things to watch so, oh yeah completely but i'm yeah, yeah but i'm with way- you
1: Mm-hmm. I, was, I was gonna say it was, it was the same way for me growing up as a kid in the '80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, during during the the fall, you watched the World Series, or you watched you know, I don't know, designing women or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and these days, my God, there. I mean, we have friends constantly telling us about TV shows that we've just got to watch. Oh, you got to watch yeah. The Blacklist, or you got to watch mm-hmm. you know Hannibal, you got to watch The Wire. You know, so. Th- yeah, there's so stuff I would love to see I options. haven't caught
0: up with yet that right. I you know I got to watch on Netflix and such.
1: Exactly. So yeah. there are many, many, many other choices besides yeah. you know, well, it's either the World Series or go to bed.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I think though, the biggest point, as you made uh, referring to some of Craig's articles, is uh, it's a local sport, and when your team gets knocked out, you tend to shut down. Yeah, because it's it's a long, long, long season. And this season drug out more than ever. Just, you know, there's no reason baseball should be playing the World Series the last week of October, but, you know, television and the expansion of the playoffs has caused that. But you know, it's not like football, you know, shorter season. Every game means a hell of a lot more and you know, I, I can watch a national game, uh, when it comes to football. I know you're not a football fan, but I can watch a nationally televised football game and enjoy it and and have it keep my interest you know it doesn 't have to have the Lions involved or it doesn't have to have Michigan or Michigan State involved, but baseball I just find have a hard time sitting down and watching say Yankees and Red Sox play or or even the Giants and Dodgers, you know even though those are big robberies i don't have a vested i, I just can't get up to watch those teams and uh, that that pretty much nails it once the Tigers were out. My interest in baseball took a nose dev,
1: yeah. Well, like you said, people like you and me put a lot more into it than maybe the casual yeah. fan just because we do sit and watch every single game and then yeah. analyze it and tweet about it mm-hmm. and write articles. And, you know, so by the end of and it, yes. Yeah,
0: and that's why we needed to take a month off after the season and
1: not talk about it. Yes, because by then you're <laughs> yeah. just you're sick and tired of it. Yeah. And, and the only way that I'm going to stick around and watch the, the playoffs is if there are some teams that I'm personally interested. I liked the Dodgers and Kershaw, so I would have probably stuck around and watched that. Yeah. I'm not a Royals fan. God mm-hmm. knows, I hate the Giants. You know? And we saw
0: enough of the Royals during the season. Sure.
1: So there was just no reason to. But you know, and like we him, knew
0: so. their flaws and things like that. But you know, and that reminds me of just seeing uh, how national TV can drive you nuts. And where you know Joe Buck is saying what how, what a great fan base this is when that same fan base had been burned so many times over the past thirty years that they couldn't sell out games down the stretch in September right and you know, also that's right. the kind of stuff that bo- also bothers me when you're watching a national broadcast you're watching guys <laughs> who really aren't as familiar with the team are going to spew platitudes like that oh what a great fan base you know uh, even though they they would have 15,000 show up for the tigers in you know, in september and and let alone having to listen to a guy like Harold Reynolds who just drives me up the damn wall so when you factor all that in I would much rather watch a Red Wings game or as or you said, watch something on Netflix or, or just twiddle my thumbs than, you know, than watch a game. I really don't care about.
1: I hear you. Uh, I'm with yeah.
0: you. All right, Hook Slide. This has been another long podcast uh, as we had a lot to talk about, but is there anything else on your mind before we wrap it
1: up? Nope. I have to go get ready and uh, go do some trick or treating. It's an absurdly cold weather. It's like yeah, 33 degrees right. now.
0: Yeah. We both have uh Halloween plans. I know, uh, the girlfriend has grandkids. Yes, I'm an old man. There you uh, go. <laughs> has grandkids who are going out tonight, so we're supposed to hook up with her family and uh, and do the Halloween thing. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I might just sit on the porch and smoke a cigar with that a gosh of scotch. That would be a good idea. Awesome. So I think I just talked myself into
1: it. So. There you go. I wish I could <laughs> join you with that. But I, yeah. I, I have to so
0: you're going to be trotting around the neighborhood. Yes. You know, with, what, what, you know what your kids are dressing up as, by the way.
1: Any ideas? Uh, I have four kids. It would take me forever to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> <All of> that. <laughs> are you going to do anything? Or are you just going no. to be
0: a Stern dad?
1: No stern, no. I, I run with them, you know, through the yards and help them collect candy oh, and whatever. don't take any eggs or toilet paper with you then. They're not quite old enough for that, but uh, I will. I'm talking about you. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> I will, when they get older, absolutely help yes. them, egg houses, sure. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah my, phone is, my phone is telling yes. me that it's 35 degrees outside, and we have a high wind advisory, so
0: oh, boy. hopefully
1: this is a 15 to 20-minute excursion, and then that's <laughs> the end of it. Oh,
0: yeah, it's uh, – well – you have my sympathy. At least, at least the very least, I'm going to be under shelter somewhere. <laughs> but you, on the other hand, you're going to be in the elements, so uh, you you need to prepare and yes. probably a stiff drink. So, uh, yes. with that, I think we can wrap up this podcast. Uh, I really can't say for sure when we're going to do the next one. Obviously, I think that really comes down to how when the Tigers make uh, make news, and they made a lot of news for this podcast, so we'll have to wait and see. We'll play it by ear. I wouldn't not be surprised if we go. At least a couple of weeks before the next one, as uh, you know. Again, I'm still getting over some health issues. I have a few things to deal with that way, and and obviously, Hookslide has kids and has to take them trip or treat things like that. So, be on the lookout for the podcast. Probably in a couple of weeks, at the very least, and um, we'll let you know as well as to who that get who a guest will be on that show. But I think with that, uh, let's wrap it up. So where can they find you online? Hookslide? uh,
1: less and less in the off season, but you'll find me on Twitter at hookslidebyb, uh, hookslidebyb at gmail.com.
0: Yeah. And I say the same thing. I don't think I've tweeted more than a couple times since the end of the season, but I'm big Albyb BYB on Twitter. And, uh, yeah. if anything you might see uh, yeah. <laughs> if you look me up on Facebook you might just see pictures I think that's all you'll see is pictures of me getting iron infusions so that's how exciting my life has been so, awesome With yeah <laughs> alright let's wrap this poppy up because um, well it's Halloween so until probably the next couple weeks we'll be back but this is Al Beaton saying good afternoon and good luck along with
1: Hookslide this out here is 2015 trick or treat mm. I
0: will talk about how I think it's going to be a trick on the next Bless Your Boys podcast.
1: <laughs> That'll get
0: him out of the old ballpark. Right. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.